other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world there's room for everyone. The good earth is rich. We can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. But we have lost the way. It is September 20th, 2018. My name is Joel Tillis. You have tuned into the Soul Trap. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen. It is always a blessing and honor. We appreciate it. Make sure to check out the Soul Trap on Facebook. Message us, email us. We love to hear from you. We love to get to know each and every one of you as much as we can. Today we're going to discuss something fairly freaky, very interesting. It's out there a little bit, I know, but that's um, part of what makes us us, right? Have you ever, we've talked about this before, right? I mean, have you ever been in the room, you're by yourself, and you know you're by yourself, but you're not? You feel something. You feel it. You... I don't know, maybe you see it out of the corner of your eye, maybe you don't. But you know you should be alone, but you're not. Maybe you're walking, and when you look over your shoulder, there's no one there. No one is supposed to be there, but it feels like someone's there. Maybe you're in the house by yourself. There shouldn't be anybody there, you know that. Probably watched one too many Michael Myers movies, but... Man alive, it sure does feel like something is there. I think we all, to one degree or another, have maybe experienced something like that. Admittedly, some of us are more, I don't know, uh, predisposed to that than others. Maybe psychologically, physiologically. But the truth of the matter is, is there something there? Sometimes that we don't see. We feel. Well, what if you could feel something so profound that you could see it? Maybe not in the light, the way our retina works, but maybe in the shadows. It's interesting what the Bible says about shadow and darkness. When God came to Abraham, it was a horror of great darkness. In the book of Exodus, it was a darkness that could be felt. And when David speaks of the shadow of death, Yes, to some degree, that is poetic license. But is there something more? It's very interesting. Shadow people, quite frankly, for lack of a better word, have been scaring people for thousands of years. Or at least, so says Brandon Michaels in a great little article about seeing what isn't there. Shadow people have... In many, many different anthropological lores, been written about, talked about, sung about, and worried about. But what exactly are they? Some people believe these humanoid figures are supernatural spirits or entities that manifest as dark shadows, and that seems to make sense to me as a Bible believer. The history of shadow people dates back as early as the 600s BC. Creepy shadow people stories from all parts of the world are eerily similar. And one of the things that I think is important in research, 
especially paranormal, and I think this is why many paranormal researchers are drawn, is because there is a vast connectivity. Maybe as Jung would say, or maybe in the theories of the zeitgeist, maybe it is a collective consciousness. Maybe it's that humanity is afraid of the same thing or haunted by the same thing. And to some degree, that is true. There is a Jungian collective consciousness that we have to deal with and admit. But the truth of the matter is, when you start having reports of the same thing over and over throughout cultures and across the expanse of time, it behooves us to pay a little bit of attention to it. Maybe we even have to ask when the witch at Endor was speaking to Saul and said, I see gods ascending. What was she seeing? The Quran makes mention of a pitch black sapient being created from fire that were not purely spiritual or purely physical in nature. Heidi Hollis more recently described shadow people in her book, The Secret War, as dark silhouettes with human shapes and profiles that flicker in and out of peripheral vision, which is very interesting because in some of Ezekiel's descriptions of the cherubims and the beings he saw, there appears to be a strobing effect likewise. Is there connection there? I don't know. But what are shadow people and where do they come from? One writer has stated that the most common form of shadow people present themselves in what is called the classic shadow being, which is a being described as a dark, inorganic, phantom-like, bipedal figure that looks just like a dark black shadow of a figure, but doesn't seem to quite have full human form, or even a facial recognition, or even a very clear delineation of the body. One writer has stated that they feel masculine, but that occasionally some throughout history have written of these shadow people in the feminine, which is, may give rise to some of the lore about incubus and succubus. They feel masculine, though, in the main, and oppressive, and like something that is being beyond human and out of our scope of understanding. Natalie Kuna, a psychic comedian, describes the figures as tall, about seven feet in height, though they can configure and transform into different sizes and shapes. Often their limbs, like arms and legs, seem quite long, and very occasionally fingers can be seen. Now, what you've just described there, what she's just described there, are shapeshifters and slender man. Note the connectivity. Some believe their dark form is used as a camouflage and they take on a rough humanoid form to blend in with us. Others, however, report seeing shadow people with red or green glowing eyes, which is something that was reported in the Mothman's up in West Virginia, Point Pleasant, that when Mothman was seen, he was a dark, shadowy figure, very large, but with luminous red eyes. Some have even reported with a consistency that there is a particular kind of shadow person who wears a hat. Yes, a hat man who appears in a cape or trench coat and a hat which can range from a top hat to a fedora and some have even suggested a cowboy hat. There is an author and self-proclaimed shadow expert by the name of Heidi Hollis that we have mentioned already. And she believes that shadow people are, in essence, alien beings. In a book that she has written called The Secret War, she specifically believes that even the man in the hat, one of the most famous shadow people manifestations, is an actual extraterrestrial. 
Some believe the figure's hat could be a form of disguise to cover up an unusually shaped head that could be alien appearance or in some kind of otherworldly technology or even protection device. Theorists believe that the man in the hat may belong to an alien species known as the Greys. These type of aliens are what most people associate with extraterrestrials. Another writer by the name of Natalie Kuna, a psychic medium again already mentioned, describes shadow people as conscious intelligence, interdimensional beings. She writes that they are able to dematerialize very quickly and shapeshift into other forms such as in the figure of a cat, a doll, a rodent, oddly shaped spider, insect, or other creature or shape. And one of the things that's interesting to remember and to recall is that you'll remember that the vampire has no shadow, and the vampire has no reflection. And of course, the vampire can transform into a bat, which is into cats, and men or werewolf into wolves. So you can see that this shape-shifting, night-cloaking connectivity is across the board. On Kuna's website, she states that the man in the hat is an intelligent conscience from another dimension, or time-space reality, possibly even the future. She's not the only one to think this. Author Michael Kinsler wrote in his book, Legend Tripping Online, Supernatural Folklore, and the Search for Ong's Hat, that shadow people are actually extra-dimensional inhabitants of another universe. Now that's very, very fascinating. It's interesting how close these things begin to enter into the spirit world. And it is not just modern. When you go back into mythology, whether you go back into the Incas or you go back into a picture that I'm looking at right now of what very clearly appears to be a shadow man in Egyptian hieroglyphics. There is a mythology that dates back very, very far of shadow people. In fact, some people believe it dates as far back as 600 and even further B.C., Ancient Egyptians actually believed in shadow people and called them the Kail Boot. The Kail Boot. Romans believed these people came from the underworld. Greeks thought the shadow people were literal shadows of themselves, which they often gave up to Zeus as a gift. All of these cultures, though, had a common belief. These shadow people were both part of the real world and the metaphysical one, which is an interesting moment for us to stop and to digress into the Western mentality. We're not getting into Western psychosomatic philosophical understandings here, but it is a fascinating thing that somewhere around the Renaissance and moving forward, expedited further by the Industrial Age and Revolution, has been the systemic continual closing off of the Western mind to anything non-material. Maybe one of the greatest coup d'etats of evolution has not been to get us to believe in that particular mythology, but to, with that single mythology, close off the Western mind to myth itself, to anything non-material. Now, I would submit to you that that reality, no matter what anybody in the pew says, has firmly rooted itself in the Western mind of the American Christian. I'm not saying that the American Christian is not saved. I'm saying that for all of the lip service that the American Christian gives to the spirit world, they react very, very, very much like it does not exist. This 
mythology that the world would call it and spirituality that you and I would call it is something that we may discuss at a further time. But it is very important to understand that in many instances we have closed ourselves off. Now, I do not believe that we should intrude into angels, and I don't believe that we should, as I've said before, be a monomaniac about spiritualism and paranormal. But I do believe that when right in the middle of our theology, when we read something like Ephesians chapter number 6, where we're to take into us the whole armor of God, it almost becomes a mechanical thing, a non-spiritual reality. So when we're talking about this, it's important to stretch our mind a little bit. And I don't think that we have to look at every single thing. You say, well, the devil flattened my tire so I'd be late to the meeting and wouldn't be able to preach the gospel. Why didn't you just blow the engine up? Of course, there are certain non-immaterial answers. And not everything that we experience is an immaterial force. But not everything that we experience is an exclusively material force either. Shadow people. Is there a pushing of that veil? Are there beings on the other side, in our communities, in our homes, in our lives, that with such power and force are able to push? We know that they're there. If you don't believe that they're there, ask Gehazi, who had his eyes open and saw that they were there. Or Balaam's donkey. We know that they're there. The question is, can they leave a deep enough footprint in our dimensional reality? And is that what we're seeing with shadow people? The Greeks thought that the shadow people, as I said before, were the literal shadows of themselves, were literal beings. All of these cultures, though, had a common belief, and that is that they were part of a real and metaphysical world. And I suggest to you that it's imperative that both in our theology, both in our teaching, training, and our day-to-day life, that we not take the metaphysical reality of our being for granted. In ancient Egypt in particular, shadow people often went and did the bidding of the spirit world for humans who couldn't reach it, sometimes for good, most of the times for evil. Dr. Shelley Adler wrote a book that could connect seeing shadow people to having sleep paralysis, a very fascinating and frightening book. Sleep paralysis, nightmares, and the mind-body connection. People who suffer from sleep paralysis may perceive a shadowy or indistinct shape approaching them or standing over them during an episode, meaning these visions might not be supernatural, just as a perception, just a perception inside your brain. However, that is a material approach. The flip side could truly be stated. Maybe what they are seeing is real. Maybe the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience is a real spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Others, like neuroscientists, however, Balan Jalal, believe these hallucinations may have a neurological explanation and not a paranormal explanation. But are they real? You say, well, anecdotal evidence doesn't work. Understand it doesn't work. It's anecdotal. It's a story. It's personal. But... Is every anecdotal experience that's ever happened to you untrue? Here's a personal account of someone who experienced an encounter. While lying there unable to sleep, I became aware of a presence. And suddenly and silently, a figure moved through our bedroom door and proceeded to the bed. Then rounding the corner of our bed, took up a fixed position at the foot of our bed. I was aware that this entity was conscious of us and was intently watching us as we lay there. 
The entity can best be described as something that had the appearance of black smoke or shadow. However, it was more material that either of these were, but less material than a real person. The most odd thing about this is my lack of fear. Although I was acutely aware of this being and the fact that it was not of this earth as we perceive it, it did not seem to arouse any fear response in me. I would say it aroused a feeling that would fit somewhere between creepy, odd, curious, and confusing. Above all, I was confused. Stop the story. God is not the author of what? Then who would be the author of what? The story goes on to say, especially considering the fact that it was aware of me and I was aware of it, I was shocked that I was not more fearful than I was. After some time, I almost convinced myself that I was imagining it. I had to be imagining it. I was sleeping. I was dreaming. I had too much pizza the night before. It was anything but a being there in my room. But then I became aware of the fact that my wife was no longer breathing like she was asleep, but was breathing almost silently. Quietly, I whispered to her, Honey, are you awake? To which she answered, Yes. Then I said, do you see anything? Expecting her normal rational reply to be, what do you mean? But much to my surprise, she said, you mean that thing standing at the foot of the bed? At this time, I did become somewhat nervous. We laid there for about 10 minutes, and then it was gone. In just over a period of about 10 seconds, it became less solid, and our perception of its presence became weaker until it just wasn't there anymore. Then it was as if it had never been there. My question is, was it gone? Or was it footprint into our dimension lessened? Or was their ability to perceive it somehow curtailed? Yet it was still there. Or was it too many anchovies on the pizza? It was just over a period of 10 seconds and it became less solid and our perception of its presence became weaker until it just wasn't there anymore, the story goes. Then it was as if we had never, it had never been there. Nothing like this has happened since and the only evidence it ever existed is my wife and I's memory of it. In 2003, radio DJ and shadow person expert George Norrie invited Heidi Hollis and Matt Moneymaker, a noted Bigfoot hunter, onto his radio show Coast to Coast to discuss shadow people and the hat man. Norrie told Hollis and Moneymaker he heard reports of shadow people attempting to jump on their chest and choke people, which is what, by the way, cats love to do. Another story, another, another show. This would suggest... Nori stated that shadow people actually have the ability to make contact in the physical realm. Lena Townsend, a registered metaphysical practitioner, whatever that means, said while she's no expert with shadow people, she's studied instances where people said they felt antagonized and suspected shadow people. In such cases, she believes these shadow people are more than just your average spirit. They could possibly have demons attached to them. But, she said, she doesn't think all shadow people are malevolent or harmful. Another writer 
Dr. Kuna claims that most shadow figures are actually parasitic. Although on rare occurrences, people claim to have encountered shadow people with natural, uh, with neutral auras. Some describe shadow people as benevolent and guardian-like. However, shadow people with red or green glowing eyes are believed to be extremely evil humans who have passed and transformed into this dark, ominous form in order to continue their evil, malevolent ways. They are dark forces, dis incarnate entities. Townsend herself said the same thing. Not all shadow people are evil, but the ones that are definitely are. She said this is because shadow people feed off the energy they are given. So if their spirits are stuck because of a negative experience, they can become evil, while others living in a positive environment won't feel motivated to lash out. Have you ever felt like there's someone there when you know that you're alone? Have you ever seen something out of the corner of your eye? Ah, it's easily explained and easily rationalized away. But there is a growing phenomenon out there of people experiencing the paranormal. It's laughed at, it's joked at, it's swept under the carpet, it's made fun of, and some Discovery Channel shows are made and Ghost Hunter shows and all the nonsense that goes on. But shadow people, what are they? Are they deep impressions into the soil of our dimension from a power and force outside of our dimension? Are they spiritual powers of darkness? Are they an energy force left behind by someone truly evil and wicked? Or is it just too many anchovies on your pizza? Next time you're at the house, and you're by yourself. Check the shadows. Next time you're lying in bed, check the shadows. It's probably nothing. It's probably too many anchovies on your pizza. Or maybe, maybe, maybe.